You're listening to the Script Lab Podcast. I'm Shani Edwards. Today I sit down with screenwriter James Vanderbilt to ask about his new Netflix movie, Murder Mystery. This hilarious action comedy is about Nick, played by Adam Sandler, a New York cop who takes his wife Audrey, played by Jennifer Aniston, on a European vacation to reinvigorate the spark in their marriage. Luke Evans plays a mysterious billionaire who invites Nick and Audrey on his yacht, where the blue-collar couple unwittingly get framed for murder. James Vanderbilt makes this pivot to comedy after writing such great action films like Independence Day Resurgence, The Amazing Spider-Man, and Zodiac, directed by David Fincher. James and I discuss crafting a satisfying mystery, the one book he thinks every screenwriter needs to read, and why you should channel Ernest Hemingway when you write dialogue. So James, when did you know you wanted to be a writer? When I was about five years old, uh, I realized that telling stories was something you were allowed to grow up to do, you know, and, and I was sold. I was like, oh, well, then I'm going to be a writer. Um, so I wanted to be a writer since I was five uh, uh, and, and wrote stuff like all through high school and, you know, you know, I'm sure dark, angsty, incredibly embarrassing short stories, like the whole nine. Um, and then uh, I, I went to boarding school and then I came out to uh, USC. Uh, and didn't get into the film school, and so did a year um, sort of general education, and then reapplied and found out about the writing division, which was this sort of small branch, uh, and it's only like 24 kids a year, so it's this like little red-headed stepchild of the film school, um, and was lucky enough to get in there, and then um, was writing a script, I had a senior thesis script that I hated, and so I started writing the script on the side, just mm -hmm. kind of for fun, and uh, met a guy named Mikkel Bondesen, and uh, who wanted to be a manager, and and I sort of said, okay, so who are your clients? And he says, I have no clients, you know. So I was like, <laughs> well, why would I sign with a guy with no clients? And he's, and you know, but 100%. I, um, yeah, but also like no one else was knocking on my door, so you know, I gave him the, I gave him this script, and and uh, and he sold it uh, in like three days, and uh, I was that guy. It was you know, and it was it was really awesome. So I graduated on. I sold the script on a Thursday, I graduated on a Saturday, and I went to my first studio meeting on a Monday. It was crazy. That's amazing. Yeah. Um, so let's talk a little bit about Murder Mystery. Sure. Um, this is such a heartfelt, funny comedy starring Jennifer Aniston and Adam Sandler. It's, in many ways, it's sort of a, a fish-out-of-water story because they're very sort of blue-collar. Absolutely. And yeah. then they end up on a yacht. Maybe you could talk about that fish-out-of-water aspect and if there were any rules that you knew you had to kind of follow to do that. I, I sort of, I love murder mysteries. And, and uh, I, I always sort of, with this, I kind of, it came out of um, Trip Vincent, who's another producer on the movie, and I were friends. And we had we were having drinks one night with a uh, a guy named Jason Reed who used to work at Disney, and we were talking about sort of the movies we grew up with, and mm -hmm. and we started talking about how you can't make a movie anymore where where the detective gathers everybody together and reveals who the killer is, and it was sort of like oh you can't do that anymore, and I'm sort of my brain works is when you're told you can't do something you immediately want to do it, and so it sort of came out of that is I wanted to make kind of an old time murder mystery movie, but, but how do you sort of update it? And so I, I sort of fell in love with this idea of what if this blue-collar couple from Brooklyn crash into an Agatha Christie movie? 
and and what happens there? That sort of fish out of water, kind of like, you know, that wonderful thing. It's sort of like when you watch some of those those movies and you you talk at the screen or you comment. I'm like, well, what if that person was the hero and was sort of commenting on the movie and the genre as it goes? So it's sort of you get to have your cake and eat it too. You get to do all the sort of the fun twists and stuff. And then you also get to point out the tropes and use them to your advantage. So I sort of loved that idea. Yeah, it worked so well. Oh, thank you. Because uh, I think t- in today's, doing Agatha Christie today, it's a little stuffy. Yeah. I think audiences are really sophisticated. Mm-hmm. And I think they enjoy the comedy. So I thought it was really well done. Good, I'm And glad. you did give a nod to Agatha Christie at the end. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I don't know, were there any other nods to her? No, I mean, I think the, uh, uh, I think just the whole, the whole sort of trope of it, and it was, it was fun too because the first time I met Kyle, the director, he sort of said the way he wanted to build the movie was, was, and cast the movie was as if Adam and Jen walked into one of those other movies. So he built out the sort of the international cast with people who you would see in an Agatha Christie movie. So it wasn't a bunch of other comedians who you've seen in Sandler movies before. You know, it's not, you know, wonderful actor, but it's not Steve Carell playing the French detective. Like, everyone else is very seriously on point, and to the point where, like, when I met David Walliams, who plays uh, Malcolm Quince's son, Toby, he said, you know, I've been on Poirot's. Like, he's like, I've done these, you know what I mean, up for the BBC. And I was like, I know, I'm, I'm a nerd who watches the Poirot, you know. So, so it was the idea of, of playing that part of the movie as straight as humanly possible and putting people like Gemma in it and, and Luke Evans in it, like, just sort of, I think, added to the Agatha Christiness of of the whole thing. Gemma was fantastic. Straight, right? That scene when they're on the bed, she's like trying to turn herself on. Yes. By by <laughs> saying like she has no her own name. Yes. And- <laughs> you know, the and it's funny too because it's also it's it's you know that part was written as sort of the faded you know, film star, you know, which is a very Agatha Christie tropey thing. And then they get amazing, gorgeous, beautiful Gemma to play the, you know, the fading, you know, film star. And I think it was, she just had so much fun with it. You know what I mean? Because I think she doesn't get asked to to do stuff like that very often. I know. she She's fantastic. Yeah. yeah. I mean, overall, you totally scored with your cast. Oh, it's I mean, it's, cast. it's a dream cast. Um, let's talk a little bit about Nick. Mm-hmm. Um, He's apparently not very bright because he can't <laughs> he can't pass his detective. I think he just doesn't test well. I think okay. you know he's just one of those guys who doesn't who freezes up you know with standardized testing. You okay. know, very good. But he's also a terrible shot. Yes, he's a terrible shot. <laughs> but sort of his superpower is that he loves his wife. Yeah, and. Maybe you could talk a little bit about his character and how did you keep that thread of his love for her going through the whole screenplay? I I really one of the things like I I when I first read the script I'd gotten married a few years before and I sort of really wanted to write something about marriage and in a positive way because I sort of feel like every time you see marriage depicted in movies it's either a couple about to break up or one of them cheats or you know what I mean there's always this horrible dramatic thing to it and my experience with I've been married 14 years now my experience with marriage is my wife and I love each other very much and we're better when we're working together than we are working apart and so I love the idea of showing a married couple like that and they're in, they are at the beginning of the movie they're in a little bit of a rut they're in a little bit but you can tell how much they care about each other and and that was always 
really fun to me and super important to me and super important to me to write a true two-hander. You know, it's sort of not, it's not about a, a movie about this guy, Nick, who's got this wife. He's got to deal with and all this other stuff. It's about these two people together. And so I loved that idea. And getting, and the great thing about Sandler was he really latched onto that immediately. And um, it, because the script had been around for a while and, and other actors had looked at it and, and not engaged with it. And I think partially because it's a guy who fails his detective exam, who can't shoot a gun straight. Like those are not typical, you know, action hero. You know what I mean? That's, that's, that's playing weakness. You know what I mean? Which some actors don't want to play. And he, ran towards that and ran towards the idea of this man is better with this woman and this woman is better when this man when they're working together. And so, and, and, and sent script to Jan and she embraced that too. And, and I think they both just, they kept that, the heart of it really pure, which I think is to me why the movie works. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, their chemistry and uh, the writing and the directing, it all kind of came together and it's really a love story, yeah. too. No, absolutely. And that's really nice, yeah. you know, and I think people are going to love it. Um, From your lips. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so how you've had this whole career of um, big action movies, <laughs> right? Um, Zodiac and White House Down and... Now we have this sort of romantic yeah. action comedy. Sure. I mean, we, you used your action chops. There's some guns in it, yeah. Yeah. Um, so how did you keep the comedy grounded? Um, I think it's just it was just trying to write from a, 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 a truthful character place. I know it sounds sort of corny a little bit, but it was like the, the whole movie is so heightened. You know what I mean? And, and I mean... You know, there's a Maharaja and there's a, a guy who doesn't have a hand and wears an eye patch on, you know, and so like there's so much craziness to it. I always sort of came back to the fact that like if this couple doesn't feel believable, then the movie just floats off in a way. You know, it has to sort of be tethered to something real at the heart of it. And so that it, it kind of came from that. And then I just I love um you know, I love Agatha Christie, but I also love The Thin Man, you know, and it's sort of Nick and Nora. That's why it's Nick, you know, Nick and Audrey rather than Nick and Nora, you know. But but I loved the the the, the banter and the rapid fire. And, you know, I'm in a relationship where I constantly get shit from my wife and I, you know, and like, but we enjoy it. Do you know what I mean? You enjoy the sort of, and I sort of felt like that banter is the fun of it. So it's sort of the comedy kind of came out of that. And then... Because they're real people, you can go into this heightened world and and feel like you can have all that all that fun. I mean, someone dies by blow dart in this movie. Yeah, like it's I know. pretty, you know, it, it, it gets pretty ridiculous. But because you believe them, I think is is why it works. Hopefully, I would love for you to write a comedy version of James Bond. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I listen. I grew up on those movies too. Yeah, I love, there's nothing better than taking a genre, I think, and being able to deconstruct it but at the same time have fun with it like that's the the pleasure of this movie for me was. it seems like it's happening more and more these yeah, days you is. know people are taking again audiences are very savvy so they're taking Absolutely. you know elements from from different films not always successful but um yeah. this one definitely was um when they go on the boat i was expecting this to be very similar to the Murder on the Orient Express. Sure. I expected them to stay on the, stay boat, on the boat the whole time, yeah. And then they got off the boat. Tell me about that decision. And I, I, I mean, I know why you did it, but sure. um, you know, 
It always was sort of, I, and the script was always that way. It was always, and it's funny because people, when they would read it, would go, oh, I was so, and, and most people, especially in production, were like, oh, thank God they got off the boat. Because they're sort of going, are we going to be on this boat the whole, you know, it's sort of this kind of contained thing. But I, when I was sort of plotting it out, I loved the idea that they go across Europe, that it's, that it's, a, it's as much a, it's, you mentioned James Bond, like the old James Bond movies were these travelogues. Like it wasn't just action, it was like, you got to go see Jamaica, and then you got to go see Paris, and you got to go. And so I loved the idea of this being a trip for them. You know, so it, it functions as a murder mystery, but also they get to have their honeymoon in pretty amazing places. Like, they're so, like, I, I loved the idea of, of going to Italy and going to Monaco and seeing the Grand Prix, which is something my wife and I accidentally did. We, we were, years and years and years ago, my, my best friend got married. My best friend, uh, Vikram Govindan, who the Maharaja is named after, and he doesn't know it yet. So I've kept that secret from him for, for about 13 years. So this Friday, when he watches the movie, I think he's going to be pleasantly surprised. But we went to his wedding and, and had a big night out. And then the next day... Uh, we went to bed at four in the morning in in Monaco and woke up four hours later to F1 cars going past our, which is the loudest sound known to man, especially when you're hungover. Uh, and I was like, oh, wait, they just drive through the streets like this is. And I was like, this has to be in a movie. And then so when I came to to do this, we put the Monaco Grand Prix in the movie. But I always loved the fact of like the normal American seeing all these sort of fun European vistas. Yes, well, it's very fun. Um, were you on set? I was, yeah, yeah. I was um, for. I was in Montreal for a little bit, and then I went to Lake Como for a little bit because I was like, clearly, you guys need me around, right? I have to come to Lake Como. They're like, no, we're we're pretty good. I'm like, no, 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 no. I'm coming to Lake Como. Um, that's why you want to be a producer as well as a writer because you go, <laughs> no, no, no. I'm coming. Um, but uh, yeah, it was fantastic, and it was just so great to to watch them work. And this is the first sort of comedy comedy I've ever made. So actually watching that process and how that can be different from from dramas and sort of or big action movies and like how everybody can kind of play was really was really fun to see was there a challenge that you had to solve as a writer while you were filming not so much i think it was more just keeping things fresh and trying you know putting scenes on their feet in a different way sometimes and sort of going okay this joke isn't working what's a better how can we beat it and i think i think that's what was sort of great about about Jennifer and then Sandler and Alan Covert and Kyle. Everybody was down to to beat what was on the page, which was great, by the way. Like for me as a writer, it's you know my name on it. So if we can all work together and come up with a better line, fantastic. You know, so there was nothing. I don't think structurally that we needed to do. There was a moment I came out for in Lake Homos. I was there for the whole solve. I was there for the drawing room scene. A, because I really wanted to see it, but B, because I was like, I'm going to be logic police and just, I have to make sure the mystery works. Um, and so kind of just drilling into that and keeping sort of that on task, you know, was, was I was sort of the keeper of the, you know, because also you shoot out of sequence and then you also shoot uh, stuff that, you know, th that misdirects. Do you know what I mean? So, so literally we would be like, they would be like, okay, wait a minute. Does this make sense? And I would go, yes, this makes sense because of this, this, this. They go, okay, you know. So that that was more my job on set than it was. There was no huge, oh my god, we have to rewrite the whole third act, or you know, it was a very um, normal shoot. 
in, in, in a good way, you know. You don't want to, you know, it's like, you know, you don't want exciting stories from the set if you're working on the movie. It's great to tell in these things, but, like, yeah. if you're actually working on the movie, you want a pretty normal day. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good point. Yeah. Um, the character of the Maharaja. Yes. Okay. Um, he was hilarious. Oh, good. I loved the idea of, again, it's sort of that kind of character of the Maharaja would be in an Agatha Christie movie. And I sort of went, okay, but that character doesn't really exist anymore. Like, you know, and so there was this idea of sort of what is young royalty like today? And it's probably a guy who goes out to clubs and hangs out with girls and, you know what I mean, is co-opting different cultures. And, you know, and that that felt right sort of comedically. And, you know, sort of this the scene where, you know, you you meet him and he makes them bow to him was always sort of in the script. And I always sort of loved the idea of taking what you think is going to be a very, you know, serious Agatha Christie thing and spinning it on its ear for a joke. Yeah. And, and the deal actor who plays him is so... Great. And by the way, has won a BAFTA. He's like an amazing dramatic actor. And so watching him get to play with all of that was super fun. Yeah, his dialogue was hilarious and so unexpected. I mean, <laughs> that's part of why I really like this movie, because it kept surprising me. Great. You know, and that's not easy to do. What advice do you have to someone who's writing a script and make it surprising? I mean, I always, that was the, the thank you for saying that. I'm really happy that you feel that way because that was with this movie the big thing was sort of and I remember when we were on set and Kyle goes oh my god this movie has five and like it's like and I was like no 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 it's just gonna it's gonna keep turning for the last 15 minutes it's not gonna feel too big um but I sort of you know when I was sort of coming up at USC like I remember reading Adventures in the Screen Trade by William Goldman and and which is I think every writer should uh, screenwriter should read and one of the things he talked about was reversals in scripts and just that 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 a good movie constantly should be reversing itself and not and that doesn't mean like big plot twists but it just means it should constantly surprise you it should be ahead of you it should be oh you should go into a scene and go oh, i've seen this scene before i know what's going to happen and then the movie should jump to you know sort of cut out the boring parts the movie should always be one step ahead of you in in a certain way so that's i think a big part of a screenwriter's job is just to make sure that you're constantly freshening up stuff. You know what I mean? No, no, no one thing should play out exactly as... You should always keep the audience in mind, I think, when you're writing. And that's what I try and do. Uh, for all genres, Yeah, right? absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, and, and also it's like, I think that, you know, look, some of the greatest dramas in the world are very... Like, The Godfather is actually a very funny movie. There's a, you know, take the gun, leave the cannoli. Like, <laughs> I, I, I reversed that. I screwed that up. But... Goodfellas is hysterical. Joe Pesci is hysterical in Goodfellas. Like, and, and, and those, you know, using comedy to surprise people and, and make, make you laugh, I think, is, is, is a hugely, uh, hugely is, is a great tool to be able to deploy no matter what genre you're in. Absolutely. You talked about the ending and you really wanted to be there for the ending because it's, it's, it almost seems mathematical. Mm -hmm. Um, what advice do you have for people who are trying to, you know, solve a mystery in their screenplay and, you know, honor the red herrings and the misdirects, sure. but make it all make sense? Well, that was the, I mean, the, the, the ending was always the same and the mystery solved was always the same. I think how we executed that scene kept changing just because you want it to feel fresh. You don't want it to feel like 20 minutes of actors just talking at you and sort of laying something out. And you want it to be engaging. And you also, because it's a comedy, it needs to be funny. So that, 
that sort of how that scene deployed itself changed a, changed a bunch. But I think you know it's it's you know the art of screenwriting. I think to me is saying the most amount of stuff with the least amount of words, and that's you know true of the dialogue, but it's true of description. It's you know it's like you got to be Hemingway if you're writing a screenplay. You know, you have to do really short sentences and really, you know. So as, as concise as you can be, I think, helps. And, and that is true if you're writing a story that has a mystery to it, too. It's, you know, you know, I tend to write really long and then just try and cut, 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 cut and, and sort of shove stuff in. Um, but I just think, I think economy is, is, is key. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, I've read scripts where, um, unproduced scripts where, you know, there's these giant chunks of dialogue. Yeah, absolutely. It's, yeah. it's like people tend to say the same thing over and over and they, mm -hmm. you just got to pare it down. Like you said, Hemingway. Yeah, exactly. Just white space is your friend too. Otherwise you're looking at a piece, if you're looking at a page, like, and you're, you're you know, a reader, you know, you crack open a script, you see a lot of ink, then you go, Oh no. Yeah. So that's really good advice, uh, to my listeners. Um, why do you think it took 13 years to get made? I don't know. You know, I think it was it it, it was wasn't ready to come out of the oven until now. I think a lot of it was getting the right actors, you know. And it was crazy. We had um at different times we had we would have a male lead and a director but no female lead. And then we'd have a female lead and a director but no male lead. And then we'd have two actors but no director. Like every sort of permutation of this occurred at one time or another and it just wasn't until it was Adam and Jen that it was like, oh, that's the movie, you know? And it was, uh, I, I think it just, it was the right time for it. And I think also a place like Netflix will take a chance on something like this because they want to make original stuff. They don't have, you know, huge, gigantic IP. Whereas, you know, at traditional studios now, 80% of the films they make are based on pre-existing titles or sequels or remakes or reboots. And that's, by the way, that's just the landscape. That, that's how it is. Netflix has to make original stuff, you know, because they don't own that stuff. And so someone like Scott Stuber will take a chance on something like this because he feels like he likes it and it's, and it's really good and, and they have to make it. So I think, I think it was waiting for the right way to get made. Um, so, and I'm, I'm, it's the longest thing I've ever been involved with. I'm, and I'm, so happy just because for me this is the best version of the movie absolutely if i could bring up zodiac sure that was directed by david fincher mm -hmm. he's one of my favorite directors mine, mine too okay <laughs> i'm a big fan i don't know anything about him but i'm wondering if there was something that you might have learned from him or working with him yeah no i learned a bunch from david i mean he was a very and a lot has, a lot has been sort of written about this too but he's so meticulous in terms of the way he works but also devilishly funny. And I mean, it's sort of a talk about, uh, and if you look at his films, by the way, they're hysterical. Again, it's sort of that thing about The Godfather. Like, Brad Pitt in Seven is very, very funny. Like, that character is very, very funny. Um, Brad, uh, uh, you know, Fight Club is a comedy. Like, you know what I mean? It's really dark, but it's comedy, you know? Um, and so putting humor into things and having that kind of point of view was amazing. And then the other thing about David is, and he takes a lot of shit for this, but like, he's meticulous in getting what he wants. And it's sort of like, he'll do as many takes as he needs to do to get there. And it's sort of like, you know, you spend, I think he said this at one point, but it's sort of, I don't want to actually attribute to him, but the, the idea being, you've spent years working on the script. You've spent years casting the movie. You've, you're taking untold millions and millions and millions of dollars from a studio. You've got all these cameras, you've got all these lights, all these people are here. 
let's do a couple more takes and make sure we get it. You know, it's it's like, I'd rather do that than go into the editing room, you know, and I, I learned this when I directed a movie years later and I called him up and I said, you know, please tell me what I need to know about directing. And he was like, don't leave until you've got it, you know? And so that was an incredibly valuable uh, piece of advice. It's great. Yeah. Um, what do you have next? Um, I'm doing a, uh, produced a movie with Trip Vincent as well called Ready or Not that comes out on August 23rd from Fox Searchlight, which is great. It's this sort of comedic thriller, uh, and it's Samara Weaving, Andy McDowell, Adam Brody, um, and it's about a, uh, a bride on her wedding night who sort of marries into this, um, old family, like a gaming family. Like, imagine you married into the Parker Brother family. They made all their money from games. And so there's a tradition in this family, on the wedding night, anyone who marries in has to play a game. And you you select a card from a box, and the, the card tells you what game you'll play. You know, the one of the brother-in-laws got croquet when he married into the family. You know, one of the sister-in-laws got old maid. And and so our, our heroine pulls up a card from the box, and she gets hide-and-seek. And the family's face goes white. And she goes, are we really going to play hide and seek? And, and uh, they say yes. And, and uh, she sneaks. Uh, so she goes and hides. And the family in the game room start taking weapons off the wall. And they're going to have to They're gonna have to have find her. They believe they have to find her and kill her before the sun comes up or something bad will happen to the family. <laughs> Except this is an incredibly rich New England family who don't know how to use weapons or hunt people down. Okay. So it's it's a very funny, very great thriller, and it's directed by this uh, directing team, Radio Silence, who are incredible, and, and uh, it's just it's something I'm super proud of. So, so August 23rd, please go see it. That's wonderful. Um, so that's a comedy, too. It is, yeah. There's a lot of... It's, it's very, very funny. It's, it's half, half, in, half in thriller, half in comedy. So, yeah. That's great. What advice do you have for someone who wants to write half in thriller, half in comedy? I mean, just write. Write as much as you can. I mean, I remember somebody telling me, it's like, you have to write 10 bad scripts before you write one decent one. And I remember thinking, that's bullshit. And then 10 bad scripts later, uh, you know, it's sort of... But it's like, it's like exercise. It's like anything else. It's like you have to you have to actually do the thing and do the thing a lot to get better at it. Um, and uh, you know, I just write as much as you can. Be your own worst critic. Be brutal on yourself. Show your stuff to other people who you trust, who will actually tell you the truth about it. Yeah. Uh, and then just rewrite, 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 rewrite. Like it's just uh, it's it's. It's, um, you know, it's like anything else. You just practice, practice. You know, it doesn't make perfect, but, you know, closer to it, hopefully. Well, I wish you the absolute best of luck with Thank Murder you. Mystery. I'm just thrilled that you could sit down with me. No, my pleasure. This and is super fun. And I look forward to the next movie, and hopefully I'll get to have you back. Absolutely. Would love it. Thank you. Thank you.